We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other side of the speaker. And we're here. Training camp has officially begun. We just wrapped with day two of 49ers training camp. And I mean, I'm just excited. It is one of my favorite times of the year. A little bit heartbreaking that I'm not there right now, but I'm working on it. But it's just, I mean, and it's even made even more exciting by the arrival of Trey Lance. And obviously, it was still exciting last year with Trey Lance, but this year, he's the guy. We 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 know this. We've been told this. It's It's happened, officially. Mark it down, flip the calendar, move on to the next quarterback. So just knowing that we're in a training camp where Every rep matters for a young quarterback who's trying to establish establish himself as the man. And, you know, you have all of these players that, whether they were drafted early, drafted late, undrafted, signed as, as free agents, all of these guys just trying to do everything in their power to make the team, to create that one play that they need to maybe get themselves in front of the guy next to them on the depth chart and, and or get in the get in the head of their position coach so you could start, you know, playing that game and just getting on the good side of everybody's mind. I mean, it's it's so it's hard to explain it in words because I'm not the greatest with words, yet here I am on a podcast. But I just love the fact that every moment in training camp is valuable to somebody. Maybe that's my best way of saying it. Every single moment out there during those practices is valuable to somebody who just wants nothing more than to make the team earn that job, earn more reps, get his chance. Just it's such a a doggy dog meritocracy. It, it, it I just love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, you know, I you know, and for about. 
I think three or four years in a row, I was at every training camp and I just loved every minute of it because I, that's my frame of mind when watching training camp is, is every single one of these reps matters to somebody on that field. That's just trying to become a little bit better, trying to earn that spot, trying to, you know, move up the depth chart, maybe be one of those sleepers that sneaks into the roster as an undrafted free agent, Uh, all that stuff. I just absolutely love it. I just can't even tell you, maybe it's the coach part of me, uh, you know, because I have to watch players do that. You know, in middle school, obviously, the stakes aren't nearly as high. You're, you're not trying to make your way in the in the NFL world, which is 100 percent their means of, of making a living and supporting their family. You know, I'm over here coaching seventh and eighth grade middle school that obviously the stakes aren't nearly as high. But you still just get to see these players work and try to earn everything they're going to get. And, uh, you know, at, at the NFL level, it's just that much more intense. So one of my favorite times of year, uh, I just I cannot get enough of it. And my. Un, unashamed, I am unashamed to admit that the, my favorite part about training camp was the food. Without question, the food. Now, you can it doesn't take a genius to know. How what type of food? An NFL team would feed its players. You have a bunch of Ferraris. You're going to feed them the the absolute best gasoline possible. And an NFL cafeteria is nothing but the best gasoline possible. You walk into this place, you know, it's a big cafeteria with plenty of tables, plenty of seats. The entire team is in there eating at one point. And then once the team got done eating, they would come to the 49ers media room where all of media would be working. They'd be writing um, where, what have you. And then they would say, all right, guys, time to eat. So we would all get up, leave, you know, stop what we're doing and go eat. And we would eat the same thing that the players eat. And, and you can just let your imagination run wild as to what is available. Cause I mean, it's every type of, you know, you've got salad and everything you could ever want to put on top of a salad. Then you've got the carbs where it's like mashed potatoes, uh, the rices, the, you know, the different types of quinoas and, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a foodie. Like I am a foodie, but I can't speak it like that. And then you've got every type of meat, you know, you've usually got, you know, two types of beefs, two types of chickens, um, some, some, uh, some, a couple types of fish, you know, and it's just, and then there's always desserts. Now I don't think they make them anymore, but when I first started going to training camp, they had these huge ass cookies and I'm talking about take your hands, make them into the shape of a half moon and then just connect them together. That is how big the cookies were. Don't make your hands any smaller. Just connect your fingertips in the shape of a half moon to make a full circle. That's how big these cookies were. And there were chocolate chip. There was oatmeal raisin. There was these, there was just sugar cookies with M&Ms placed on top, like all perfectly spaced to ensure that every bite had an M&M within it. It was unbelievable. It also tasted like each one of those cookies was made within a full stick of butter each, but I'm not complaining. It is just, I love the food at training camp. I used to always just take a picture of it and send it to the girlfriend and be like, (laughs) and, uh, I, I, you know, training, I love everything about training camp. And to me, the other thing is you would hear some complaints about the heat from time to time, which is fine. It's understandable. But I was always coming from Fresno, California right now in Fresno, California, I am coaching in the 105 degree heat. 
it is hot, oppressingly hot. Like it beats you down and you know, you can't wait to just go get water and all you're, you know, you're not even playing, you're just coaching and it's still knocking you down. So, you know, for me going to Santa Clara was usually about a 20 degree bonus. So everybody would be complaining about the heat and it, it would still be hot. You know, you could still sweat, but I would just be standing there with a smile on my face going, I mean, I feel it guys, but I'm not complaining. So, and then you've got the fans there and they get to watch practice and it's just awesome. It's an awesome time of year. But to me, the core of training camp is that competition, that improvement. And for a guy like Trey Lance, he's not competing with anybody. You know, Nate Sudfeld is not competing for Trey Lance's job, but every rep matters to him because he's in the, the absolute prime stages of his development going against, you know, we'll get into that going against one of the best defenses in the NFL. So it's, uh, you know, it's just a cool time. I don't know if you guys share the same enthusiasm for training camp as I do, but I just think it's such a phenomenal time. And, um, I'm going to try and, and hopefully I've got the, I've got the next week off from both uh, summer school's over for me. I do teach summer school and I've got it off from coaching. So I'm going to try and see if I can scoot down to Santa Clara for a few days just to be, be there for maybe a, a four day portion. We'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm working on it. But first thing to lead off with is the most obvious thing. Uh, th- there's a lot of play at quarterback for the 49ers right now. And it doesn't even necessarily begin with Trey Lance. You've got Jimmy Garoppolo who passed his physical, which means that if the 49ers were to release Jimmy Garoppolo now, they wouldn't incur the $7.5 million penalty for releasing him before he could pass a physical. Um, you know, Basically, that's that's paying for the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't necessarily be able to sign on to another team yet because he's still hurt. It's a medical guarantee. So the 49ers are now clear of that, but Jimmy Garoppolo remains on the roster. He did show up for the first day of training camp. Um, He was, like I said, he was there to take a physical and then he did his throwing workout earlier in the morning. And then uh, I believe during practice, he was kind of just in the weight room. And I I believe players kind of came by and said, what up and, and stuff. But for the most part, through the first two days, um, the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo seem perfectly content in letting each other go their separate ways. Jimmy Garoppolo is not expected to attend training camp. Uh, he is just expected to go through his rehabilitation process and continue to rehabbing that arm. Now, don't get it confused, though. He has been cleared to practice. Jimmy Garoppolo has, but he's still rebuilding the strength in his throwing, throwing arm slash shoulder that he had surgery on. So... And the 49ers in no way, shape, or form would ever risk put Jimmy, putting Jimmy Garoppolo out on the practice field to possibly give her, get hurt and usher in a new realm of guarantees for his $25.5 million salary that's at stake. So I, I think I just said at stake. No, I said something else. I said like at skate. I don't know. Whatever. I'm judging myself right now. So Jimmy Garoppolo is still in a 49ers uniform, but he, in the most for the most part, he's not. He's the 49ers right now are clinging to Jimmy Garoppolo in the hopes of a trade market developing, and that would keep him from hitting the open market and going to a team that they don't want him going to, namely the Seattle Seahawks. So, I mean, you've got a handful of teams out there that people kind of expect could something could materialize. You know, you've got, um, you know, apparently 
The Miami Dolphins are one of Jimmy Garoppolo's primary, rumored to be one of Jimmy Garoppolo's primary destinations. I don't know how that would work. They would have Tua, but maybe if they're not sold on Tua. Then you've got the Browns, who are going to be dealing with some sort of extended suspension for Deshaun Watson. Um, oh, but excuse me, I, I think they signed Josh Rosen, so that should be all good. You've got the New York Giants, who aren't necessarily all the way sold on Daniel Jones. It's his written name, right? Daniel Jones. He's just such a plain, uneventful person that I like just forget his name. Like he is like, yeah, Daniel Jones, like just the 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 absolute epitome of just a white dude, plain white dude at quarterback. Dan, his name is Daniel Jones. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And this is coming from a plain white dude. Like he just is like unremarkable and forgettable at its finest. I hope that's not too rude, but he's just like as plain as it gets. And all I remember of Daniel Jones is running in a touchdown and falling on your face before you could get there. You know, about as, as unathletic as something gets. Got the New York Giants. I think there's, you know, you've got the Seattle Seahawks who are dealing with, who basically have no quarterbacks. They have quarterbacks, but they have no quarterbacks. And the 49ers don't want him going there, you know. And what they what they don't want to do, and shout out to Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area. I saw that he was writing about this too, is they don't want to cut Jimmy Garoppolo now and then send him Basically, you can you can you can bet on it if you want. But if the 49ers just up and cut Jimmy Garoppolo, he's just going to pack his stuff and head to Seattle. Because they've got Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Neither of them are good quarterbacks. And a Jimmy Garoppolo would be a significant upgrade for them. And they would also get the bonus of Jimmy Garoppolo, who knows Shanahan's offense in and out, walking into that building. And that gives them a lot of in-depth knowledge to Kyle Shanahan. And it allow it would allow Seattle to bring Jimmy Garoppolo in at the start of their training camp. And so he can get that offense, you know, under his belt and get familiar with it. And that's not what the 49ers want. Now, we're at just a weird point where, per John Lynch, Jimmy Garoppolo has not requested a release. He is not asked to be released probably because he's due to be paid $25.5 million, and he wants that to be the starting point for any type of trade offer that might materialize. If he becomes a free agent, the starting point is zero, and you work from there. Now, it's just this, it's a weird relationship right now, because obviously the 49ers have, have always gotten along with Jimmy Garoppolo, that we know of, but I'm, I'm not really at a point to question that. There was a little bit of tension in regards to Jimmy Garoppolo having the surgery when he had it. A trade being agreed to almost is what we've been told, but then that fell apart when Jimmy Garoppolo had the surgery. And now the 49ers are holding on to Jimmy Garoppolo to wait for that perfect trade offer that, to our knowledge, has not materialized. But what if Jimmy Garoppolo says, come on, guys, like, I'm ready to throw, I'm ready to play for a team. None of them are willing to trade for me. We can see that now. Can you please release me? And we'll see what happens. See who's willing to sign me. Will the 49ers release him? What if Jimmy Garoppolo asks for that tomorrow? Are the 49ers going to release him and allow the Seahawks to all of a sudden be in a massive, uh, be the massive favorite to sign Jimmy Garoppolo? That's tough. You know, that's putting him in a tough position. Now, one thing I'm not saying is are the 49ers 
Are they afraid of what Jimmy Garoppolo can do to them on the field? I don't think so. But that doesn't mean they want Seattle to get a significant upgrade at quarterback and one that just happens to know a lot of shit about their team. So, you know, I think the 49ers will do everything in their power to keep Jimmy Garoppolo from going to the Seahawks, but we may reach a point where that's inevitable. You know, the Seahawks could just be sitting there waiting, you know, uh, making a bet with themselves that I don't think anybody's going to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the 49ers are going to cut him and we're going to sign him and we're not going to allow ourselves to be outbid. Now, when will that happen? I don't know. The 49ers could hang in, I think it's the end of August, when the 49ers have to cut down their roster to the 53 players. The 49ers could hang on to Jimmy Garoppolo all the way through August. That's a long time. Now, again, I would presume that something would come up with Jimmy Garoppolo before then in terms of him asking to be kicked out the door so he can go do his damn thing and hopefully land on a team where he's got to start a chance to start throughout the season. Now, it's not that's not to say that Jimmy Garoppolo could still go to the, let's just keep saying the Seattle Seahawks at the end of August, and maybe he waits a couple weeks and starts. It's not the biggest deal for them. But any team that wants to acquire Jimmy Garoppolo would, would want to do it as soon as possible so that they get the benefit of the training camp and the preseason to become familiar with the way that team does it. But So that's where we are with the Jimmy Garoppolo dynamic right now. Kyle Shanahan made it very clear in his opening press conference that this is now Trey Lance's team. They are going with Trey Lance. They've known they were going to go with Trey Lance since last offseason when they drafted him and he first started practicing with the team. This is just how they all wanted to play out wanted it to play out, minus the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been traded yet. So Kyle Shanahan made it very clear that that is over. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been traded yet, but it's Trey's team. Now, the part that, you know, basically Jim uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have said, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo would have been traded if it wasn't for that surgery. I just have trouble believing that. Because I understand that Jimmy Garoppolo is not a top 10 quarterback, but he's not a bottom 10 quarterback either, in my opinion. Right there in the middle, but still a pretty big upgrade for a lot of teams. If a team needed a quarterback that bad, I don't think the shoulder surgery would have kept them from making that trade. Everything about that shoulder surgery was said to be routine. There was a virtually, virtually a certain chance that Jimmy Garoppolo would fully recover and his shoulder could even be stronger than it was before because of the amount of rehab he's done. You, I mean, that's very common. Um, so it's hard for me to believe that a trade was in place and then that shoulder surgery completely torpedoed it all. If a team thought highly enough of Jimmy Garoppolo and it needed a quarterback that bad, they'd do it anyway. Bad example, but if Tom Brady, one of the, let's say any top five quarterback, had that shoulder surgery but was on the trade block, that team is still trading for him. And although Jimmy Garoppolo is significantly is, – is not a top five quarterback, I'm just saying if a team needed him, wanted him, was ready to roll, was ready to send picks for him, I'm not so sure they would have just completely abandoned trading for him just because of that surgery. Maybe he gets cheaper. The asking price lowers a bit, but, uh, you know, you get what I'm saying. Debo Samuel. 49ers star wide receiver of last season is holding in. As you can see, we don't do transitional material. We are on to Debo. He's holding in. He's coming to practice. 
He's working out on the sidelines. He's getting in shape, but he is not taking the field. He's going to meetings. I don't know how much he's participating in those meetings. From the sound of it, it seems like a, a lot. I've heard both Trey Lance and Brandon Ayu talk about him. But Debo Samuel is at the facility awaiting his contract, awaiting to be paid. He has not rescinded his trade request. It kind of feels like he has. Like, it kind of feels at this point he's wearing a 49ers uniform. He's, you know, they're in contract talks. It it feels like he has rescinded his trade request, but he hasn't. Not to mention the fact that I don't think anybody would be able to give the 49ers what it would take at this point to trade for Debo Samuel. Because you're talking about right before the season when Debo Samuel would be a significant reason the 49ers win football games, it would take a mountain of draft picks and whatever you can get to throw at the 49ers to get them to release him. It's just almost not an option. On on a very similar note, DK Metcalf, Seattle Seahawks wide receiver, just got paid today on Thursday three years and $72 million with just under $60 million guaranteed. I believe... I believe that guarantee is the highest ever for a wide receiver. If I read that correctly, he DK Metcalf was drafted in the same year as Debo Samuel. He was drafted in the same round as Debo Samuel. And probably the most important little factoid is they share the same agent. We talked about that when we were initially talking about the fact that DK Metcalf was going to the offseason program while Debo Samuel was requesting a trade. And then it kind of flipped, or it didn't flip, but all the like shortly after us talking about that, DK Metcalf was like, "This is bullshit. I'm gonna start not showing up." And then you know he was holding in as well during training camp. So again, you're looking at with the the, the recent deals that have been signed, you're you're still looking at twenty three, twenty four, twenty five million dollars a year for Debo Samuel. With what I expect to be right around fifty million guaranteed, you know, Debo Samuel's just an interesting case. He's always been good. Last year, he was on a ridiculous pace as a receiver. Before the 49ers started using him as a wideback, as he would call it, but that introduction of the wideback role really started to boost Debo Samuel's stock because he was touching the ball more often and he was scoring more touchdowns. And so. You know, and then it's just an interesting predicament. Do the 49ers want to pay him based on the production they can have as a wide receiver? How much of the wide back role are they going to get a, be able to get out of Debo Samuel now that he's kind of, you know, advertised a little bit of displeasure with the role? You know, are you worried about Debo's ability to stay in shape? Anybody that's seen Debo Samuel knows he's a little thicker. Um, and it, it's been said in the past that, you know, some guys lose weight in the off season, Debo Samuel puts on weight and that's not necessarily, you know, like the body type thing. And I don't know. I, I just, it, it'll be interesting to see if the two sides agree to a contract, which I'm assuming that they will, it'll be interesting to see where it lands, the guarantees, the years, you know, how it's all spread out. It, it, it's tough because the 49ers to me, Debo Samuel is not is not a completely obvious pay the man, give him the money. He He's very close to that, but there's a few question marks in there based on what we saw through those first three years. You know, maybe showing up every now and then out of shape, 
Um, uh, you know, a few little injuries here and there, a few little tweaks here and there, some missed time here and there. What's the same way at Carolina? So Devo Samuel's contract does not come without just a little bit of pause. It's not like who's like, I don't know, man, Devonte Adams, horrible example. Again, I just choose the league's best receiver, but that is an unequivocal pay the man. And you have nothing to worry about because this is Devonte Adams and he's going to get you 1500 yards and 10 plus touchdowns. And I do believe Devo Samuel is capable of putting up those numbers especially once he starts building that relationship with Trey Lance. But there's other things to worry about there. And last season wasn't all – that's those aren't – Debo Samuel didn't have those types of seasons his first two years. He was good, but he was not last season good. So you're kind of paying him on, well, hopefully we can just re- keep recreating the production that we saw from last season. That's kind of the predicament that is paying Debo Samuel. Shanahan seems positive. Uh, the media, whether local or national, seems positive, uh, but I wouldn't say a deal is intimate, imminent between the 49ers and Debo Samuel. It just seems to be trending that way. He's there in the building. They want him on the practice field, building that relationship with Trey Lance, because right now he's just missing a ton of reps with Trey Lance, whether it's during the warmups, whether it's during the individual drills where quarterbacks are throwing to receivers, whether it's during one-on-ones, or whether it's during the team portion. He is getting 0.0 reps with Trey Lance, which is not not good. So, and and you know, to kind of top that off, Brandon Ayuk got a ton of of reps with Trey Lance during the offseason, during the break between OTAs and training camp, and to our knowledge, Debo Samuel got none of those. And he was he was doing his own thing when it came to workouts and working with his own trainers. So, Debo Samuel and Trey Lance have got very little experience working together other than the brief time they had last year, whether it was Trey Lance getting second-team reps and Debo Samuel just happened to be on the field, or during the couple of weeks when Trey Lance was the starter for Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously he got he got some time with Debo. So speaking of Trey Lance, um, kind of the, the, the pulse of Trey Lance so far is positive. Um, he had a really, really good day. Uh, on his day one, I believe he was something around nine of 11, completing nine of 11 passes. Uh, from what I, I heard, it, well, they weren't long passes. They were kind of routine passes. But that's what we saw all the time from Jimmy Garoppolo. And for, for Trey Lance to be in that wheelhouse on his first day as the man, that doesn't strike me as odd or discouraging at all. Because as he becomes more comfortable, he'll start to push the ball downfield, which is what apparently he did on day two. And the completion percentage went down. I believe it was 7 of 15, which is a little less than 50%. Um, he did have one interception where he missed Jimmy Ward in the middle of the field and kind of laid it up to him. Um, but then just a few plays later, completed a, a, a deep pass along the right to Brandon Ayuk, you know, over the top of a defender, but under another. Apparently, it's a pretty impressive pass. And to me, it's just... I want to see Trey Lance push the ball down the field. I want to see him take chances. This is training camp. This is not the time to develop a habit for just doing everything as efficiently and as safe as he can. I want him to test his arm, test the defense, see what he can get away with, see what type of of, of ball trajectories will work for all these passes. See what the, you know, he's discovering so much about his own play style within Shanahan's offense. Timing accuracy. Do I throw it now? Do I wait another half second? Do I loft this? Do I fire it in there? 
There's so much he is learning right now, and I am just not in the slightest bit concerned about whatever struggles that Trey Lance has throughout training camp. Now, will I will I will my eyes widen a little bit if we see headlines like we had for Jimmy Garoppolo where he in 2019 where he threw five interceptions in the single practice? Yeah, I guess. I'll I'll take note of that and we'll talk about it obviously, but I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo threw five straight interceptions in practice and then led the team to the Super Bowl. And no, he wasn't flawless throughout that season, but he wasn't bad either. And uh, so, again, it's training camp. Quarterbacks will deliberately make throws that they might not try during the regular season because they just want to see how it – they just want to see how it goes. They want to see what happens. Maybe maybe Trey Lance's arm is a little bit stronger than he thinks it is, and when he sees that little tiny window open, bam, he fires it in there. Did it work? Did it not work? Did a DB get his hand on it, or did he get it in there? You know what I mean? So there's so many little things that quarterbacks are going to try out. And I tweeted about the fact that Trey Lance gets to go up against one of the best defenses in the NFL every day. And there is a good chance, and, and some of the, some obviously fan, fans from other teams took that as, oh, this guy thinks that training camp's easier than the regular season. I'm saying that the 49ers defense is better than most of the teams he's going to face. And no, they're not allowed to rush the passer in a way where they can't hit the quarterback. But I'm still seeing the 49ers defense as a tool for Trey Lance to get better. I'm not saying that Trey Lance is all of a sudden, you know, a lot of people took that tweet as, oh, well, playing defenses in the regular season is easier. I'm saying the 49ers are going to be a better defense than most of the teams he faces. And the fact that he gets to go against them every day in training camp is a good thing. 49ers defense is going to go hard. And I had another person reply saying, well, the defense isn't going full speed. The hell are you talking? This is training camp for the defense, too. There are guys fighting for their jobs and fighting for their starting spots on the defense, too. The defense is 100% going full speed at training camp. It's half the team. You think half the team is just taking it easy? It makes no sense. The defense is going as hard as they can. Each of these units, the offense and the defense, are battling for like their honor. And, and they will trash talk each other, and they will jump up when one of their, mem- when the, one of their teammates makes a play. And it is 100% a war. There is nothing soft about a defense in training camp. The only thing they can't do is lower the shoulder and hit the quarterback. They'll come up and they'll kind of tap him, or they'll just run right by him and kind of raise their hand like, got him. But there ain't nothing easy about going against defenses in training camp. You can wipe that right off your thought process right now because everybody on that side of the ball is fighting for the same things that the offense is, whether that's reps, experience, just getting a little bit better, earning a role, um, you know, beating somebody out. It's there ain't nothing easy about training camp. These two, these two, 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 uh, two groups are going at it. So I don't want anybody to think that if Trey Lance has a good day against the 49ers defense, that it means nothing. No, of course there's not a pass rush and that makes the regular season harder, but the 49ers are a very good defense. And the fact that Trey Lance gets to go against them is a good thing. You know, like iron sharpening things. Iron sharpens iron, guys. I've just heard that saying too much, so. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Um, I mean, that's... When it comes to Trey Lance, man, like I was telling one of the coaches I coach with um, before practice or during practice the other day where all the or all the kids were getting water, I was like, man, I'm looking forward to Trey Lance's mistakes. Now, there's some mistakes you don't want to see. Really, what it, what you don't want to see are repeat mistakes, a, a failure to to learn, you know, from one mistake to the next. But I'm looking forward to watching Trey Lance's growth as a player and his mistakes and, you know, his good play, his bad plays, but then are followed by good plays, meaning he's finding a way to rebound. That was one of Jimmy Garoppolo's absolute best um, qualities was we saw him make plenty of bad plays, sometimes really bad plays, but it always seemed like he was down. And that next drive, he would go out and it didn't look like he was taking it easy. It looks like he was – we saw many times – Jimmy Garoppolo's ability to bounce back. And I, I want to see the same from Trey Lance. Just you're going to make plenty of stakes, mistakes. You can make stakes too. Just make a medium rare, how they're supposed to be. But you got to learn from them. You know, nobody should care about mistakes. But when someone doesn't learn from those mistakes, then you got a problem. So I'm looking forward to just seeing the ups and downs of Trey Lance throughout training camp. I, I don't see how anybody wouldn't be. It's 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 gonna be legit, man. And uh I'm looking forward to see, you know, today was a little bit of a down day. Let's see what he does tomorrow. There's always another day. Now, one of the big reasons that Trey Lance is going to have his work cut out for him is this 49ers secondary that to me is maybe a little undervalued. 
you know, are they a little undervalued? Because the 49ers made a pretty good signing in the offseason with Charvarius Ward, former Chiefs cornerback, seen as one of the better corners of free agency. And that was really the one premier free agent that the 49ers signed this year. So you've got Charvarius Ward as the legit cornerback one. And from what we've read so far, he's out there performing like a legit cornerback one. I believe Nick Wagner of ESPN, great dude, reported that Charvarius Ward hasn't given up a single catch in any phase throughout the first two practices. When I say any phase, I'm talking about one-on-ones or team drills when the quarterback is competing against the receiver. And then behind him, you've got, you know, a competition amongst players that are all more experienced and have all been out there. You've got Emmanuel Mosley, who seems like the favorite to win that cornerback two job. You've got Ambry Thomas, who got plenty of playing time last year. And as crazy as it sounds, improved as he went on. When he first got out there, he got victimized a little bit. He was definitely a target of the defense. But as the season went on, he stayed out there and he got better and better. And it culminated in that week, what is it, last year? 19? Week 19 interception? Week 18? Week 19? Whatever the last week is. So week 18 interception against the Rams to seal the game by Ambry Thomas. And so you've got a pretty serious competition going on there for not only the cornerback two spot along the perimeter, but then you've got the nickel corner spot as well. Kwan Williams moved on. And you've got Darkest Denard, Darkest Denard. I don't, I don't want to mispronounce his name, but I undoubtedly will. He's an eight-year veteran out of Michigan State. He's kind of, uh, as far as training camp beginning, he's been the guy that stepped into that role kind of during the first, you know, along with the first-team defense. Then you've got Dante Johnson, who's played a little bit in that role, and as much as he's kind of been a punching line for a lot of 49ers fans, that man is on his ninth year in the league, and he is still in the league, and that just doesn't happen. So you've got Dante Johnson that's in there, um, and Emmanuel Mosley and Ambry Thomas seem like they're going to be in a competition for that cornerback two role, a role that I, I would probably bet on Emmanuel Mosley winning. Um, Charvarius Ward opposite him, Sam Womack, the rookie they drafted this year out of Toledo. He could be somebody that competes for that spot. Diamador Lenore, second year player, last year rookie out of Oregon. He could be somebody that competes for that spot. And then you've got Tarverius Moore, who obviously is a safety, but Maybe he's somebody that that they the 49ers go with a bit more of a you know a dime package where there's more DBs on the field. Maybe he's somebody that kind of gets I wouldn't say he's in the mix for a nickel corner, but mine end up covering players a lot more than we give him credit for. You've also got Jimmy Ward, who has played uh both nickel outside and free safety. He can do anything. Now they are not gonna move him from his spot out there at free safety because he's just been damn good there. Um the 49ers have a lot of players that can cover. It's just a little bit of a mystery who's going to win that spot at the nickel and who's going to win that spot at cornerback too. Um, the biggest, I would I would bet on Emmanuel Mosley being the cornerback too, but that nickel spot, I just have no gauge on it right now. We'll see as thing goes on. Um, I'll start asking around who's kind of who seems like the favorite there. And then you've got kind of Jason Verrett. You know, he's he's on the active pup list. I don't know if he's in, even participating in practice. 
Um, we'll see. I mean, he's obviously coming back from an injury, but that's a huge X factor right there. Uh, Jason Brett had an, an unbelievable year two years ago for the 49ers and then obviously suffered another season ending injury. And that was that, but he's a, he's just a complete X factor. If he can stay healthy, which is a huge if for Jason Brett, he can play like one of the better cornerbacks in the league. He is so insanely talented. It's just his body. He's constantly at war with his own body. So a ton of, I, I feel like that 49ers secondary is going to be strong. It's just a matter of who wins that job. And, you know, I, I doesn't I don't necessarily see, see them being weakened by that competition. Richard Sherman tweeted today, before this season is over, there will be a lot of chatter about this 49ers secondary being amongst the best in football. Mark it down. Charvarius Ward and Emmanuel Mosley are a problem. Okay, and he, he included their Twitter hand Twitter handles. Um Charvarius Ward's is it's Lil Mooney, and Emmanuel Mosley is at Manny Mosley. So Charvarius Ward and Emmanuel Mosley are a problem. Jimmy Ward has been playing at a Pro Bowl level for years. And look for Talanoa Hufanga to shine. Talanoa Hufanga is the second-year safety out of UFC who got a surprising amount of playing time last year and reeled in the blocked punt in the end zone to um, to win their playoff game against the Green Bay Packers. So I think that it is safe to in maybe just feel a little more confident about that 49ers secondary and then realize that that 49ers secondary is playing behind an elite core of linebackers and an elite defensive front that helps a lot so i i'm not i'm not i'm not, i'm i'm kind of bullish on the 49ers cornerbacks Right now, I think that they could be a lot stronger than we think they will be. And I think this 49ers defense as a whole might be a little bit better than we think they are. Now, if you already think they're going to be great, that's fine. But they could be top three. This defense could be really good if everything kind of rounds into form. But we'll see. Part of that is that competition at linebacker. You've got Aziz Alshire and Dre Greenlaw. Those guys, in my mind, are in competition to be the man that's next to Fred Warner. If I had to take a guess on who was leading that competition, I'd say Alshire. Um, but Jerry Greenlaw is no big drop-off. Now, at any time they've got three linebackers on the field during running possible running plays, um, you know, they're all three are going to be on the field anyways, presumably. But I feel like there's a competition there to be the guy next to Fred Warner. And so and and that can only breed greatness out of those two who have already proven to be very, very solid linebackers. Both of them are going to get paid by somebody, whether it's the 49ers or somebody else, if the 49ers are forced to let one or both of them go. But right now, those two are in competition to be that guy next to Fred Warner that's on the field, you know, over 90% of the time. So we'll see. Well, like I said, loser of that battle should still be rotating in on obvious obvious run situations, but during obvious passing situations, usually you swap out that third linebacker for another DB. Um, or, you know, you're obviously talking, uh, that would be a nickel look where you've got 
five DBs. That's why they call it nickel. And then you got a dime situation where you could have six DBs. In that case, you'd still have two linebackers. So we'll see. We'll see. But I like that competition there. I like the competition quarterback. And then lastly, to close us off, we've got the offensive line, which might be the biggest mystery of all of training camp. Trent Williams, he's on a leave of absence. Obviously, that creates a huge hole. Um, Colton McKivitz and Jalen Moore have been the two. Uh, Jalen Moore is a second-year player. Colton McKivitz, I believe he's a third-year player. Okay, so they're both relatively young, and I believe those two have been stepping in for both Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey. You got to remember, Mike McGlinchey's coming back from that torn quad. While he looks healthy and he's moving, they're probably going to ease him into his starting reps. So you got to feel a little bit bad for this offensive line right now, having to go against Nick Bosa, Samson Abacam, and the 49ers defensive front. So those two guys have been stepping in at tackle. And then you've got some interesting stuff going along on the interior of the offensive line. You've got Aaron Banks, left guard, kind of what we predicted. But at right guard, right now, you've got Spencer Burford, who is a rookie out of Texas San Antonio, 6'5", 300 pounds, played a little tackle and guard in college. And the 49ers are throwing him right into the mix at right guard, where we expected Daniel Brunskill to play. But one of the scenarios that I kind of saw coming that I thought might be an option for this group was to take Daniel Brunskill out of the right guard spot and put him at center because he's, at this point, Daniel Brunskill is a veteran guy. He's been on this team for a minute now. He might have He might have come from, you know, the USFL or whatever it was called. I forgot what it was called. I used to watch it too. But this is his fourth year in the league. He's proven to be a reliable offensive lineman. He's not the best, but he's been at right guard for a while now, and he can do it. So it's, you know, and I know he had some experience in center. So he's been competing with Jake Brundle to be that center. Both guys, 6'4", 6'5", 300 pounds, really similar. Both veteran guys. Um, that, to me, is interesting. I think they really just want to see what Spencer Burford is capable of right now to see if he can possibly win that battle there. Now, I know that the 49ers like Jalen Moore. Uh, I know that he's somebody that they'd like to see also compete at that guard spot. But with Mike McGlinchey out, along with Trent Williams, they kind of had to stretch themselves a little thin right now. So the offensive line right now is all over the place. I know that Trey Lance, I believe, was sacked five times in day two of practice. Now, a sack in training camp, like I said, they kind of just run by, might tap them on the hips, might just raise their hand, and the quarterback still gets to fire their pass off in a lot of cases. But it's clear that Trey Lance is is not having a whole lot of fun in terms of, of staying protected during training camp right now. And that is one of the worries throughout training camp heading into the season are the 49ers going to have a have a good enough offensive line to protect Trey Lance in a season that is absolutely pivotal for his development. So we'll see. But I mean I think that's it for now. I think that's that's the most part of what we've heard coming out of training camp. Um we've got another practice tomorrow and I believe they'll have another practice after that before they they, they they take a day off. But right now, if you're looking at a competition between the two units, the defense has the edge. We'll see if the offense is out there 
is going to be able to uh, come out there and maybe even the score a little bit on Friday. But you do need to realize that until the pads come on, the uh, the defense has a little bit of an advantage, uh, especially along the two defensive front. Offensive linemen rely a lot on defensive linemen's pads, getting those hands inside, grabbing that jersey, grabbing those shoulder pads, and kind of controlling the player. And as long as your hands are inside, uh, you're not really called for holding. So we'll see how how the addition of those pads coming up kind of balances the uh, the scales. But still very interesting so far. Uh, we'll see, you know, a, f- a few players that I'm looking to hear more about. My, one of them I know is uh, Danny Gray. I want to see him. I know that he was hit with a big play from Brock Purdy, I believe. We'll see. We'll see. I want to see what's what's up with him. That's a 49ers third-round receiver. He should be working his way into the mix. I want to hear some more about Jawan Jennings. Um, I want to keep an eye on Talanoa Hufunga, see what he's doing at strong safety. Uh, and then to me, again, the uh, it's obviously Trey Lance. You, you guys know that. And then you've got the offensive line. I want to see how they keep shuffling that group around and see if they kind of land on one setup. But that might be hard to do when Trent Williams nor Mark, Mike McGlinchey are participating. Um, one other person I'm watching too is Javon Kinlaw. I'm not exactly sure how much he's being allowed to participate, but I want to see him get in the mix and prove that he's going to be that force along the inside of that defensive line that the 49ers need him to be. All right. That's going to do it for today. Um, you guys should be hearing this episode on Friday. And then I'm thinking about jumping on twice next week to kind of recap what we know of training camp so far in the beginning of the week. And then um, towards the end of the week, recap that second stint of training camp. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, either way, y'all know I'm going to be here uh, by the end of the week, no matter what. So, But there may just be another episode there in the beginning of the week. I appreciate all of you listening to Striking Gold. Exciting times. Training camp's here. Preseason's just around the corner. I think the NFL Hall of Fame game, which is the first preseason game, is like a week away. I believe so. We're there, man. We're we're almost there to the real shit, the real deal. Um, and I'm excited for you guys, and I'm excited to be here. You know, obviously getting to share it with you guys on the pod. So, thank you for listening to Strike and Gold. Make sure you're recommending it to your friends. Uh, make sure you're downloading it, subscribing, um, leaving a positive review on your outlet if you see so fit. Um, but I appreciate it no matter what. The fact that you guys are still listening right now is is always a bonus. So. Um, I hope you guys have a good rest of your day, rest of your evening, whenever it is you're listening to this. I hope you are constantly refreshing Twitter to see the latest and greatest 49ers news. I'll try and be a part of that as much as I can. But hey, y'all know what it is. For another episode, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we're signing out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.